We're speaking to Sandira Chetty, Farmers Weekly's digital editor. Sandira, good morning. What do you have for us in the latest edition of Farmers Weekly if we look at the news section? Hello, LCB, and to the listeners. The first article analyzes how Census 2022 revealed a decline in the number of agricultural households as the agricultural sector faced mounting challenges such as rising expenses and falling profits. The Census 2022 results on households' involvement in agriculture is aimed at providing useful insights on agricultural activity at household level and equipping policymakers to optimize agriculture as a driver of food security, job creation and rural development as envisioned in the National Development Plan. The information collected is also used to identify all households involved in agriculture in the country to develop a framework for smallholder and subsistence agriculture. According to the numbers, Census 2022 showed that 13.8% of all households are agricultural households, a significant decline from 19.9% in 2011. The major provinces contributing to the decrease are KwaZulu-Natal, Eastern Cape and Free State. However, Limpopo overtook the Eastern Cape. The Northern Cape and Western Cape reported the lowest percentage of agricultural households in both 2011 and 2022. Livestock and poultry production were the leading agricultural activities with 959,365 households, followed by fruit or veg production and grains, food crops and industrial crops. Now we look at how the U.S. market remains a good bet for citrus exports. The citrus market in the U.S. will continue to be profitable for South African growers should transport and port issues be resolved. During an industry visit to citrus company Wonderful Citrus in California, South Africa's Citrus Growers Association was given an overview of the citrus market in that country and areas for growth. Commenting on growth in the Californian citrus industry, Zach Lafitte, CEO of Wonderful Citrus, said that the industry had entered a new phase. What worked in the past may not work now. From 2010 to 2019, Lafitte said they had rapid volume growth and aggressive plantings, higher grower margins as velocity drove retail profits and growing consumption to a point where demand exceeded supply, with marketing driving up consumption. Justin Chadwick, CEO of the CGA, said that if all local role players worked together, projections were that over the next nine years, an additional 100 million 15 kg cartons of citrus could move from our orchards to the ports. And lastly, EU organic farmers backtrack on glyphosate ban. The reality of farming without crucial, even though controversial, inputs is hitting home for EU farmers. On the most recent vote to ban the use of glyphosate on farms, classified as slow food producers, a qualified majority could not be reached. This came as a surprise to the slow food movement, since farmers aligned with the cause were prone to using only organic methods. This movement is a global organization that seeks to counteract the rise of fast food and people's dwindling interest in where their food comes from. It also advocates for farming methods that do not negatively affect the environment. Marta Mesa, Slow Food Secretary General, said that the lack of agreement on banning glyphosate shows that there were different understandings and levels of ambitions as to what sustainable food systems look like. She says European citizens don't want to take risks when it comes to their food, their health and their environment. A wide majority of respondents believe that the use of glyphosate should be banned in the EU. 
while as many as 81% of respondents are concerned about the environmental impact of glyphosate use. Another vote is set to take place this month. Elriza Theron, communications manager at CropLife South Africa, said that whether glyphosate would ultimately be allowed in the EU depended on whether they followed a science-based approach in their regulatory processes or if they were swayed by activism. What can readers expect in the feature section? To mark its 25th anniversary, CombiLift, a leading manufacturer of forklifts, invited Farmers Weekly and 200 journalists from across the world to visit its warehouse in Ireland. On behalf of Farmers Weekly, senior journalist Glennis Creel attended the event and shared her experience. CombiLift was founded by engineers Robert Moffat and Martin McVicker in 1998 when they pooled their expertise to build the world's first internal combustion engine-powered all-wheel-drive multi-directional forklift. They employed three people and produced 18 of these forklifts that year, of which one was sold locally and the others were exported. Today, CombiLift employs more than 800 people at its headquarters and global support offices and produces 10,000 forklifts per year. What is more, the company has established itself as the world's leading innovator and manufacturer of multidirectional forklifts and straddle carriers and recently launched the world's first autonomous dual operational side loader for long loads, the Combi AGT. This autonomous forklift, which was showcased at the celebration, embraces the very latest in smart technology to carry loads of up to five tons in guided aisles in free roaming. It also comes with the backup manual mode in case of power outages or internet disruptions. CombiLift has an impressive work culture and ethos. While many first world companies are taking manufacturing overseas due to a shortage of labor, CombiLift has developed an in-house training and apprenticeship program to to develop skill and provide work experience for young people in the region. Since the company has been running for 25 years, many of the first-generation workers' offspring now also work at the company. The company is also focused on sustainability for a better future. And in the livestock section? This week's livestock article features Desmond Siteti, the Agricultural Research Council's Eastern Cape Emerging Beef Farmer for 2021. In this article, he explains how his white savanna goats complement his beef operation and generates crucial cash flow. Siteti grew up on a commercial farm in the Makanda district, where his father Thompson tended to a flock of goats. Siteti helped his father after school and developed a love for goats. In the 1970s, the Siteti family moved to nearby Pukoli in the then Siskai, where Siteti and his brother Medford managed a flock of Mbuzi-type goats and some cattle on communal land. However, by the late 1970s, Siteti left Piccoli for the mines of the Vudvatos Rand, where he worked for almost four decades, mainly in the processing division of the Gold One Group. He still contributed to the Piccoli-based livestock initiative and visited his family regularly. In 2012, Siteti acquired Tower Hill, a 500-hectare mixed felt farm about 20 kilometers from Piccoli, through the state land reform program. He moved all the Piccoli-based cattle to his new farm and put them to Bunzmara bulls. He also purchased 40 savannah ewes and a ram from local breeder John Dell. In 2016, he decided to expand his savannah goat flock and sourced 35 young savannah ewes and a ram from the Dell family via the Eastern Cape Department of Rural Development and Agrarian Reform Stock Improvement Scheme. 
Today, Sateti runs a herd of almost 80 Bunsmara breeding females and a small flock of savannah goats on Tawi Hill. The goats capitalize on the browsing potential of the farm, while the cattle graze on the grass. The goats also provide a steady income as they are sold for meat or breeding purposes. Sateti says that it is a good balance to have goats on the farm with cattle. And what do you have in the crop section? In the crop section this week, we look at insurability in the grain storage sector. Insurance is a vital tool for protecting property, products and people in any business. However, insurance in the grain storage sector can be quite complex as it involves various factors and risks. This was the main topic of discussion at the Agbus Grain and Oilseeds Value Chain Symposium, which took place in Pretoria in September. Vessel Lemmer, General Manager at Agbus Grain, opened the symposium by highlighting the significant increase in insurance costs for silo operators over the past decade. He explained that this was due to the rising costs of both silo infrastructure and grain transportation. Kobas Trutta, Head of Structured Commodity Finance at APSA, stressed the importance of having comprehensive insurance for grain storage operators as they face various potential threats such as weather-related events or other unforeseen accidents. He said that insurance was a must-have for anyone in the grain storage industry. Eb Rabi, Managing Director of Speciality at Price Forbes, advised farmers to assess their risk exposure and identify the main issues they face. He said that farmers should look for ways to reduce their risk and consider the consequences of not addressing them. He added that this was the basic principle of insurance. He also emphasized the need to understand the different types of risk and the level of coverage that the silo owner was willing to include in their insurance policy. He noted that the risk profile of agricultural businesses had changed over the past 10 years due to changes in the business environment and the weather patterns. Trita concluded by saying that farmers should determine what kind of insurance they need and whether they prefer quality or affordability. If you found this topic interesting and want to learn more about the other topics I discussed, make sure you get your copy of the 17 November issue of Farmers Weekly. And that was Sindira Chetty, the digital editor for Farmers Weekly.